Welcome to On the Job with Porak, your go-to place for public safety and officer rights, giving you the news you need to know and discussing the issues that matter. Hi, and welcome to another special COVID-19 episode of On the Job with Porak. I'm Brian Marvel, president of Porak. With me today is Porak Vice President Damon Kurtz and our guest, Randy Perry, from Aaron Reed and Associates. As the current shelter-in-place order throughout California is still in effect, we're continuing to practice social distancing by recording our episodes remotely. We're going to continue our conversation regarding COVID-19 and have Randy here to update us on what's taking place at the state capitol as it relates to our PORAC members and the law enforcement community during this current pandemic. Special note, we want to dedicate this episode to the COVID-19 California Fallen Officers. Santa Rosa Police Detective Mary Lou Armour, end of watch, March 31st. Riverside County Sheriff's Deputy Terrell Young, end of watch, April 2nd. Riverside County Sheriff Deputy David Worksman, end of watch, April 3rd. And you can go to Officer Down Memorial page, odmp.org, for a list of all of the officers that have fallen nationwide. Why don't we start with Randy in giving us an update on what is happening at the state capitol, the status of uh, when they plan on opening up to have hearings, and how many bills they plan on potentially putting through or other issues that have, are facing our elected folks to legislate the state. So both houses are actually have two different sets of rules right now. The assembly, both houses are scheduled to come back on May 4th. However, I was told today on the Senate side, that date is not set in stone. On the Assembly side, they are definitely coming back. The Speaker of the Assembly announced that they will be back and they will have hearings that week and the week after. Uh, But they're changing a lot of the rules. First of all, (laughs) lobbyists and other visitors, guests are not allowed in the hearings unless they have pre-approved permission. And there's only 25 people who will be allowed at a time and they will each be escorted into the room. They'll have all the hearings in one room. That's AB 4202. And they will be taking turns. The committees will be taking turns each day holding a hearing there. And they're only going to allow, I believe, two hearings a day. The bills that are um, going to be scheduled and the hearings that are going to be scheduled are simply going to be uh, very limited on the assembly side. And we don't even know what bills those are yet. We don't know which ones are going to be allowed to be heard or not. You will be allowed if you support or oppose a bill to call in and do it remotely, which is odd. And also those bills who are often double referred, that means that they have to go to two or more policy committees instead of just one policy committee. They are eliminating that. And any bill that would have been double or triple referred to to various committees will only go to one committee. So if there's a very bad bill that PORAC doesn't like and it goes to the one hearing, number one, we may have to only be able to testify remotely. And secondly, where we would normally have a couple of chances to change the bill favorably or kill the bill, uh, it'll only have one hearing. So Things are a bit odd. The Senate side does not know yet how it's going to handle those bills that come over from the Assembly. Because if they send over a whole ton of bills, the Senate has already said they're limiting their bills. The Senate leader, the pro tem, Tony Atkins, says she's only moving forward two bills this year. And so that was direction to the rest of the Senate 
to probably follow suit. So the question is, if they are limiting the hearings they are having to only one, perhaps on the Senate side, then how are they going to hear a myriad of bills coming over from the Assembly and their own Senate bills? So there's a lot, there's a lot uh, that's up in the air still. Yeah, I think this is going to be a, a, a problem this year. If they're, uh, you know, I, I mentioned in an email to you and limiting access, you know, obviously over the past few years, we've had some very questionable legislation come out and it's taken a lot of work, a lot of lobbying, a lot of education of our, of our electeds. And if they're limiting access to our electeds, limiting access to these committee hearings to voice our opinions and, and, and our concerns to these bills, I see that as a constitutional issue. There's First Amendment right there and they're going to limit that and limit folks, not just us, other people's ability to weigh in on these uh, bills that they're potentially going to sign into law. I, I, I see a lot of problems with the way they're moving forward. And I understand that COVID-19 is part of it, but it doesn't supersede the Constitution. And I think they're going to have issues. I agree. I agree too, Damon. And also, I want folks to know that uh, we've put requests in to the speaker and the pro tem uh, regarding those law enforcement legislation that would require more uh, negotiations behind the scenes to push all of those off till the next session. I think it's vitally important that if they're going to pass bills that dramatically affect our profession, those are things, like you said, we need to have adequate discussions, give and take, back and forth, and we just can't do this in this environment at this moment in time. And I think it's important that they push those off so we can have a very thorough vetting of that legislation before it gets implemented. Agreed. Did you want to talk a little bit about or update on the workers' compensation legislation and the paths that we're taking at PORAC? Sure. So PORAC, we're seeking two different kind of routes to get to include COVID-19 or other pandemics in the future to include them as work comp presumptions for our, our members. The uh, the legislature through Cooper, Assemblymember Cooper, Jim Cooper, and uh, Lorena Gonzalez out of San Diego co-authored a bill that would make pandemic under the orders of emergency by the governor work comp uh, presumptions for law enforcement. That bill is AB 664 and will be set. We're not sure if it's going to be set uh, when they come back on the 4th or that week. Another bill today was introduced, and it's co-authored by the two chairs of both insurance committees, Senate Insurance and Assembly Insurance. And that bill, I think, is 1159. SB. Pardon? SB 1159. Yeah, SB 1159. Yeah, I have it right here. And that bill is a bit more limited. That would be a, a... Rebuttable presumption, and the definition of who it would cover is a little nebulous. So I'm curious as to whether it even cover law enforcement. So we've already texted and reached out to the committee chair, uh, committee consultants, to find out if public safety and law enforcement is included in that presumption. And then finally, we've been asking the governor for an executive order for first responders to make COVID-19 a work comp presumption. It's our understanding that they are looking at an executive order, but it would be very broad at this point. It would cover basically any employee. It would be very limited in its time frame. It would be from the time the governor declared or, or uh, put the EO out on, you know, basically staying at home and the time that would be lifted and anybody who got sick during that time. And you would have to be 
you'd have to uh, can get get the disease itself contracted. It wouldn't be, and you'd have to be officially tested and shown that you have COVID-19. So it wouldn't cover people who are exposed, wouldn't cover people who are mandated by their employer to, that have to go into quarantine. So it's very narrow in its scope. It does cover law enforcement. Very good. Thank you uh, for the update, Randy. A couple of items that we are also pushing is the first responder testing sites. Last week, I was able to travel down to Oakland, which I believe has one of the only first responder testing sites in the state outside of San Jose. I just don't understand why our state at the top levels cannot make this happen. All we hear about is that people need to be tested. Governor just came out and said that California wants to propose testing everybody, even the people that may be asymptomatic to determine whether they have it or not. But I just saw a report on ABC7 out of San Francisco that states California is literally 48th out of 51, they included Puerto Rico, in regards to testing. So it doesn't, I don't understand how we're pushing out more testing to more people, but yet first responders are just not getting the testing that they need. And we've come into so many vulnerable people in our occupation that we should be a high priority. I understand the medical personnel because they're dealing with the people that are actually infected. The reality is if we have asymptomatic officers and deputies running around, there's a high likelihood that they could be contaminating or infecting their coworkers, their families, or people that we come in contact. So I find it just ingenuous that the state would push this out but yet we can't even test our first responders in ample quantities to make sure that they're getting the protections that they need. Hopefully we can try to push even harder to get these uh, testing sites up and running. I think it's just one of these important things outside of the PPE requests that we're getting on the statewide level. Yeah, it's a little dis disconcerting. We never seem to be amazed by or not amazed by the amount of disconnect from our legislative bodies, understanding what we do and the risks that we take and in, in not having testing, having to push for PPEs, having to push for these presumptives, this, these all should be common sense that they want to protect our folks that are protecting the most vulnerable, but it doesn't seem to be resonating at the top. Hopefully we can get some traction there, especially now that they want to expand the testing capabilities and hopefully the state of California can improve its standing within the nation in regards to how many people are getting tested. And I think it's uh, important that staying on the bottom is not a, uh, a good uh, place to be at in regards to the COVID-19. You know, they're talking about vaccine possibly uh, being produced fairly quickly. I saw another article from National Geographic that said the, the fastest vaccine that ever came to market, it was for the mumps in 1967, but it took four years. So if, if, if we have to wait four years for a coronavirus vaccine, our whole paradigm is going to shift in how we basically do our profession, law enforcement, uh, throughout the state of California. And I think that is something that needs to be in consideration. I hope when this virus uh, dissipates and we have some downtime, I think PORAC will ask for a blue ribbon commission especially in regards to law enforcement, because I think there was a lot of issues that we faced that some agencies were very unprepared for, especially in, in the area of uh, personal protective equipment. I think it's, I don't, I don't wanna say criminal, but the fact that we have some agencies that had not even a day's worth of PPE for their, for their employees, there's, there's a problem there. 
And I, I just, we need a commission to look into that and make sure that our agencies have the necessary PPE for our officers and our first responders to be able to perform their jobs without creating a crunch on the current pipeline of supplies that may be needed in other areas. Hopefully uh, we can get some traction with that later down the road. If we look at COVID by the numbers, uh, this is by uh, April 22nd. It looks like California has 35,396 cases. Out of that, we have uh, 1,354 uh, fatalities. I will hand it to uh, the governor. I think his daily briefings are, are very good. Uh, it's definitely informing to see what's what's going on in the state. I think our state's handled it extremely well. I think if I think you can look at New York, unfortunately, as a juxtaposition to California, in the way that we were uh, very quick to uh, to address this issue, do the stay at home orders, and uh, make sure that we uh, we bend that curve down and make it flatter for our hospital workers to be able to handle the folks that are coming in. Unlike New York, which is just dealing with a lot of cases, but it also could deal with some density issues too in regards to why they have so many cases as opposed to uh, to the issues that we're dealing with here in California. I don't know, is there anything else you guys want to uh, discuss? No, I think that's about it. We, you know, it's difficult at best, I think, doing our jobs from remote access and trying to be effective in what we do. I know that we reach out constantly to different organizations and then, you know, obviously Randy's out there doing his job, contacting our legislators and making sure that they're educated as, as best we can from a remote access. But this is definitely a different paradigm for all of us and we're trying to do the best we can and we're here for our members and if they need something or need resources, then we'll do our best to get it to them. Real quick before we take off, Randy, obviously we've seen a huge shift in the way that our legislature is functioning. Has there been talk about trying to get them the ability to either vote remotely or participate in legislative sessions via via Zoom, what we're doing right now? Yes. The Senate has opined that they cannot, or no, that they can try to do votes remotely. The Assembly has opined that the Constitution does not allow them to do that. They literally have to vote in person. They have to have a roll call in person, and the people have to be there to, to accept the roll call, and then they have to vote in person. So that's the problem. So that's why the Assembly is pushing. They are coming in on the 4th. The Senate said, we, we, there are a lot of senators that I've been communicating with who are not happy about the Assembly coming back so early and potentially exposing staff and, and other workers from the Capitol. So they have looked into it. I know the Senate tried a remote caucus meeting and it didn't go well. There was just so many people and they were talking over each other. But I think they should keep trying and at least have caucus meetings and things that, where they can discuss issues and how to vote and things like that. Uh, in the future, they should just keep trying it. But I don't, I don't see both houses, either house, being able to do that. I think the Senate's just going to wait a little longer and not come in, and the Assembly's going to just try and do it the way they're doing it, which is weird because they're not allowing anybody even in the Capitol except one staff person per office, and only if they're involved in a bill being heard that day in the hearing room. And the, and the Senate floor won't meet because they don't have enough space to stay six feet away from each other. And there's a there's 80 assembly members. So it's an it's an odd 
it's an odd thing right now that we're all going through. Hey, Brian, I just want to do a quick shout out before we end to the San Diego delegation, your delegation, for putting together a letter to the governor asking and supporting us for on our issues of, you know, having a place for our officers to stay when they've been infected, you know, the PPE issue you brought up, the work call presumption. But then further, that San Diego delegation put together a, a, a broader letter and got 22 other legislators to sign on and sent that to the governor, also asking for the work call presumption. Thank you to all of them for the hard work they did. I agree, Randy. That was, I really want to thank uh, Senator Ben Wesso and Assembly Member Tasha Borner Horvath for working collaboratively on that and, and making that a reality. Without their support, uh, we would not have gotten that letter. So thanks for bringing that up, Randy. That's huge. I uh, really appreciate the work that they've done down there in Southern California, uh, recognizing the importance of our issues and, and bringing them to the governor uh, and another avenue to be able to get the assistance that we're looking for. One other thing I know uh, before we close it up, PORAC has the Hazardous Exposure Listing Program. If you go to PORAC.org, you can find it there. If you're a PORAC member, it's a completely free platform. It's just another place to put your hazardous exposures. It's a great place to, to have it. And if you need it, you can print it out. You can document it over your entire career uh, in this profession. And it's just a backup to the one that you already submit with your respective agency or employing county or city municipality as an additional resource. Hopefully, uh, we'll start opening up the state. Not sure when. Um, the governor has been very cautious. I'm trying to be cautious optimistically in opening that up. But I know people are becoming very anxious on uh, getting the state moving. And I know everybody wishes they were in Palm Springs right now golfing, especially Damon. He's got the golf hat on. Got it. That was, be the, that was going to be our giveaway. There, there you go. Yeah, there you go. That's awesome. So uh, next year, it, I guess it'll be bigger and better next year. Yeah, you know, next year, I think uh, the, the location couldn't be more exciting. It's right there at Dana Point, right across the street from Doheny Beach. The hotel is, the uh, golf course just down the road, right on the water. It should be an amazing event. Should we be able to put it on. So that's where we're at. All right, everyone. want to thank Randy for joining us. We appreciate you uh, always. Great work that you're doing for us, especially under these uh, uncertain times. Even your work has changed dramatically, but you get to stay at home now and make a lot of phone calls. That's what that's what it's all about now, right? Phone calls. You just sit at a desk and do phone calls all day long. Sorry, I didn't have my speaker on. Yes, that's what it's about. All right. And emails and texts. Excellent. And a lot of Zoom. A lot yeah. of Zoom. Yep. Yeah, go to, go to Porak. We have the Zoom backgrounds. We don't have the on the job, but uh, we have the one Damon has, and we have a variety of other ones. We're going to be adding more as the uh, as the shutdown uh, progresses through the weeks. Uh, we'll have some more cool police related backgrounds for your Zoom meetings. So be the cool kid on the block and make sure you download those. I will. All right. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on this latest episode of On the Job with Porak. We hope you enjoyed it. We'd love to hear your ideas for upcoming episodes. Join us on all our social media platforms and be sure to tag us with your suggestions. Go to PORAC.org to learn more about California's largest law enforcement organization representing over 77,000 public safety members. Thank you, Damon. Great work there. Be sure to check out and share our monthly podcasts and past episodes of PORAC.org, iTunes, Spotify, Ari Heart Radio. We finally made it to the big leagues, YouTube or wherever available. Lastly, we'd like to say thank you to all our PORAC members and our nation's law enforcement. Be safe and have a great day. 
That's it for this episode. Make sure you tune in next time as we discuss the issues that matter.